0: Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, you know about cling film. Perhaps you wrapped your lunch in it this morning or you've seen those swathes of it used to wrap up suitcases at the airport. That drives me mad. Um, it's ubiquitous and it's pernicious. Well, John Reed certainly thinks so and he's created Compostic, or as the Americans say, Compostic, Compostic, <laughs> a plant-based alternative that, as the label says, decomposes faster than an orange peel. Welcome to the show. John. Thanks for having me. Is, is it really true that they will decompose? That will decompose faster than an orange peel?
1: It is totally true, and it completely shocked me the first time. I, I genuinely think that this technology is magic. I remember the first time I put it in my compost. I didn't believe it, despite all of the certifications and what I've been told. <laughs> and every week, I'd dig it up, and it'd be a little bit more decomposed. And when it was gone, I was like, wow, this is something
0: special. So you've seen it firsthand, um, but where did the technology kind of first
1: appear to you? you? know, Did you see it at a trade fair or something like that? No, it was something... So going back, I was in my mid-20s before I even realized that plastic was detrimental to the environment, sadly, um, but also, fortunately, because I was, I guess I was old enough to be really shocked by it. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I had that revelation, I couldn't stop seeing plastic everywhere. And I was kind of going, you're kidding me. Everything I'm touching, every meter I walk, there's some here or there. Mm. Um, and we're man-making this into, uh, in abundance. And the amount of it we're making increases year on year. I just, I just couldn't believe that, that that was the case, mm. and so, so it's hard I start, to imagine alternatives, right? When when this when it's everywhere, so what what was the alternative? I guess I guess it? that was it. So when I started my journey, that's what it was. It was a journey. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't necessarily a business plan at that point. It was more of a. I had the revelation, and I went, surely this can't be right, and. If we're using it so much, what were we using before? You know, there was <laughs> yeah. life before plastic. Why yeah. Why did we move away from that? Um, and I kind of took myself on this journey, and that led me to, well, surely there's something better out there. We can, I imagine there's other materials that we could use. Science has improved so much. And I just got so engrossed in it. Eventually, I found myself traveling the world going, I'm going to try this material, and and next thing, it was a business thing, and I was going over to different countries and testing different materials. And there was so much greenwashing. So it wasn't this linear journey of, oh, I found a compostable material. How do I make a business out of this? It was, this problem is awful. How should it be solved? And eventually I landed on this particular material, because I just felt like it was the answer. What were you in those days—a student, or an engineer? Or a- <laughs> no, um, this is the funny thing I think, because I, you know, I'm an in a consumer business with um, new scientific technology that relies on engineering and manufacturing, and I have no experience in <laughs> any of those things. Right? Um, I was running a small con- sales consultancy. What what I do have is, um, and I hate the word, but an entrepreneurial spirit, I think. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, my first real job after two years of traveling and working overseas, I came back, and um, I was in a sales role selling home automation, and I just never liked working for other people. You know, we'd go into these management meetings, and there was a bit of fluff everywhere, and I was the only one putting my hand up. They used to call me Jesus Hands, because I'd go, no, no, no. You know, um, <laughs> this isn't right and that isn't right. I just I just always felt like I knew the right way. So I was out trying to do my own thing at 22 years old. Yeah, well, it sounds like you got, you're actually well qualified to start a business. Potentially. At least. Yeah, to yeah. start a business, yes, maybe not this yeah. one.
0: All right, well, tell us about the technology then. You know, what makes this product, this mm-hmm. plastic alternative, so effective? Well, I think
1: when we looked at it, I guess going back, when when I thought about plastic, I thought about how do we eliminate it, not how do we reduce the consumption of it, Mm -hmm. how do we eventually eliminate this substance because essentially the way that I look at it is very simple, right? If something lasts for 500 to 1,000 years, you only need to do the math to say, well, in 50 years, everything we've ever produced will still be here and 100 years it will as well and so on and so forth. Where do we actually put all that stuff? That's not sustainable. That's the... Literally, the definition of unsustainable. Yeah, and so when we when I looked at solving the problem, it had to function like plastic, and it had to be just as convenient. So we're we're now living in a world where everything is getting more convenient. You know, we can do everything we want from our phones. Mm. Um, I knew that the answer was not to get seven billion people to change their habits. It was to put something in front of them that was an easy swap out. Mm-hmm. Right. So for us, the only sacrifice is you have to pay a little bit more for it, but it functions just like plastic in, during its lifespan. And then the magic of it is once it's put in that composting environment, of course, it breaks down in less than six months. So yeah. moving forward, if we if we were to do that, then every six months you're in a new cycle of plastics, and all of it disappears at mm. the end of it. And why did you land on cling film
0: as the the kind of the first play?
1: Well, we we went again. We went through a journey. It wasn't it wasn't a first thing. Oh, well, let's do cling film, and there it was. It was originally it was bags for me. So I tried to solve the problem, shooting for the heart, if you like. I the first products we made were bags. I brought them home. I did my shopping, and then I put them in my compost. That was the experiment I was telling you about. Yeah, and we went out to the major supermarkets and the big ticket retailers. And we said, look, you've got to change this. And this was before it was in the media and on the news and everything. And we mm-hmm. were saying, this is your advantage here, right? You come out and you make a statement. You say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to switch to that. And I got laughed out of the room pretty much everywhere I went. Amazing. And it wasn't until two years later when it was in the media that these guys started calling me back and saying, hey, come in and have a chat to us. We'd love to hear about the thing you had again. Um, and we went through through a few tenders, but price was always a sticking point for them because they have a balance sheet and a profit and loss sheet, right? And they didn't want to spend another twenty million dollars a year on bags. It wasn't it wasn't part of their business model. But what we realised over that time was um, through our social media page. You know, every time I did this experiment, there were photos. And it was very basic. It was just asking people, you know, what do you think of this as an alternative? Mm. Or do you want to see plastic removed from our systems? And so we, we picked up quite a good following quite quickly. And then we saw it all coming through the media. And for me, again, that was the second revelation, which was a business might not adopt this straight away, and we could totally understand that. But it's consumers that are leading that charge, right? Mm. Consumers are the ones who are demanding change. Before it was in the media, which was driven by consumers, the businesses didn't want to do anything. As soon as they were saying, hey, we don't like this anymore, we're seeing these photos of turtles and dolphins and all these other things, that's when everyone decided, okay, we need to make a change. That's when legislation started coming in. Because we've all known about plastic for Mm -hmm. the last Mm -hmm. 30 years and what it's doing, right? So you think that that actually
0: was the public pressure that created kind of the – it gave permission to the politicians to pass laws, 100%. put pressures on A hundred
1: percent. I've become a big believer in that the public have the power. Right. No matter how stupid their voice might be or might, how clever it might be, mm-hmm. they have power to make change because politicians are looking for your vote. And so are businesses. They're looking for your vote from your wallet. Hmm. So if... if if as a society we all decide we want to go one way we're actually swaying the future and that's why we felt like going into the consumer space was the best way Mm -hmm. towards this mission of eliminating plastic Um, the cling wrap itself was just a matter of we went and talked to people about their relationship with plastic what do you love about it what do you hate about it and the answers always came back the same it was always you know, what are your favourite plastic products and what are your most hated plastic products? Mm. And ironically, they tended to be the same thing, uh. right? Things like cling wrap, people would go, well, I can't go without it, and I've tried different reusables, but it's still in my third drawer down. And it was the same with the Ziploc bags, right? And so we said, that's in the heart of the home, in the kitchen. So if we can get consumers where their heart is, where they're wrapping food for their family, you know, food is the way to people's heart. If we can, If we can bridge that relationship, then we're starting in a really good place and the second piece was it wasn't invented yet and I quite like that I I mean I know a lot of people would go the other way what can we get what's already available Mm -hmm. I went well let's let's do something brand new let's bring something brand new to the world and everybody told me it couldn't happen and for me that's that's all I need to hear.
0: That's <laughs> <See>, the classic <laughs> that's, that's entrepreneurial phrase, yeah. isn't it? Of like, well, yeah. if you told me I can't do it, then I probably will. That's exactly right. And what is it that's difficult about cling
1: wrap, cling, cling, oh. film? Oh my God! I, I I guess like going back, if you had asked me this beforehand, I would have said it's not Vincent. It's, it's super easy. It's just a sheet of plastic, right? Um, it's it's more so getting the materials to run through the machinery correctly. And with most plastics that's quite simple because all it is is um, a sheet of plastic that you're cutting into a shape essentially. Mm -hmm. With a cling film you've got all these other things, right? You've got the viscosity and how can you make it um, sticky enough for the consumer but also able to free it from the roll easily so that you've got all these functionality aspects. So it's really that manufacturing process of how it runs through the machine, and you have to try again and again and again. So I still remember the first roll we ever trialed that I got, and I went, oh, we've done it. You know, it comes out of the box, and you see a roll of cling film, and you go, great. And then you try to use it, and you go, oh, well, that doesn't work at all. We have to go back to the drawing board here. And we probably did that 50 times before we got it right. Awesome. Do you think
0: that the... um Technology is one of the barriers you have to o- overcome is just inertia, right? So, is, is there b- been inertia just around change? E- even if the product works, it's just a different product, um, and and so getting kind of that behaviour change. Yeah, as people talk about early adopters and fast followers. Have, what's been your experience? With yeah, that? so
1: I, I think again, it's um, for us coming into this, it was all about trying to reduce those barriers around behavior changes. So our, the wrap is the most difficult. And the reason the wrap is the most difficult is, is actually quite simple. Um, our materials won't cut on your serrated metal edge on the end of the box, it just won't cut it through. Um, plastics are, uh, Cutters that are available out there are all made of plastic and I wasn't willing to compromise on that. I'm, I'm not going into something and saying, my mission is to eliminate plastic, here's your plastic cutter. <laughs> that, <laughs> that didn't feel right for me. Um, so we've perforated the sheets every 30 centimeters, just mm. like a kitchen towel. So we thought that might be quite easy for people to pick up and use. And some people don't like it. And some people will say, this is the best thing since sliced bread, you know? How come we didn't perforate our sheets earlier? Um, But yeah, it's about picking up those early adopters and I I, I genuinely believe if you got a good product then you're gonna get word of mouth and that word of mouth is actually your best piece of marketing. Mm. You, I mean, for most people you can see a digital ad or you can see something on TV, but until you've tried it, how can you trust it? But if you've got a friend who said, I tried it and I loved it, it's very
0: easy to move over. And particularly important in an age of um, social media, right? We have so much uh, content is user generated yes um, tell us about the technology um, you know what makes it behave like plastic and you know kind of what is it actually made out of
1: so uh, the wrap itself is made out of materials like um, cornstarches PBAT PLA so very very typically found in um, compostable products in general um, I can't claim to be a scientist so I can't tell you exactly what what um, Exactly what happens, but it, essentially, the um, the molecular makeup of the product is exactly the same as plastic, right? You've got these chains, mm-hmm. but the materials that go in are designed so that once they're in that atmosphere, like a microbial atmosphere, so um, much slower in your open air, but it's still going to happen, those chains start to break. Whereas in plastic, they're totally strong, you mm-hmm. can put them anywhere, and they're not going to break until you start, you know, burning them. Or whatever. Um, so again, I, I wish I could give you a scientific answer. That's <laughs> but cornstarch is go. the
0: is the kind of the source of the polymer. Uh, so, and, those, and PLA is a is now a pretty common source material, right? And and yeah. I think that you, what would you do you kind of buy in the pellets, the PLA pellets, and then you manufacture from
1: there? No, we don't. Um, we we let experts, third party experts. Um, do the manufacturing and buying of the pallets. So I I would say we're a little bit different from most consumer goods companies in how we attack the supply chain because I know exactly what I want and need and I really want to have a good understanding of what's available on the market and what that means at our end. And so we are quite particular about the materials we want to use. We don't buy them, but we instruct people on on which materials Mm -hmm. we would like to use. And the reason for that, so we use very little PLA, if any, at all anymore. PLA has become somewhat controversial because it's it's really strong. It's really a really strong um, raw material. It's made out of plants, but it's so strong at the end of its life that you can't compost it at home. Or, I mean, you can, but it's going to take quite a long time. Uh-huh. Um, so it has to go to industrial composting. We wanted everything that we did to be home compostable so that the consumer at the end of the day in their household could disregard it with, um, take responsibility to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. So everything had to be home compostable for us. What's the alternative to PLA then? Well, there's a ton of materials coming out on the market. I mean, this has been the really special thing about my journey is – I guess since I started seven, eight years ago, technology has improved so much. And so PLA was probably that first step in like a really strong plastic alternative that Mm -hmm. could mimic um, like more of your rigid plastics. Now we're looking at new materials like PHA. So PHA has been um, in testing for as long as I've been in this industry Um, and companies have been trying to make the right materials that, um, that can be manufactured at scale. The, the reason PHA is so special is because it can be derived from so many different things. So it can be derived from seaweed. It can be derived from um, methane gases, which is incredible because you're now talking about a final product that is carbon negative. But they the PHA can act exactly like PLA, but can also break down in a home composting environment Um, So we're we're not ready with this product range yet, but we're quite close to it where we can mimic more rigid plastics. They can be reusable. They can be machine washable 300 times. Then they're home compostable. They're marine degradable. They're soil degradable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I believe that for rigid plastics, PHA is going to be the future. In the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot of that in the market. The
0: people that do your manufacturing for you, are they finding that now they're, they're becoming the technology experts and they're, like, are they providing to other consumer oriented organisations like yours? Um,
1: yeah, uh, um, somewhat. I guess um, I don't think of it just as our manufacturers, to be honest. I, I have a whole network of, from um, scientists, raw materials specialists, through to um, manufacturing specialists, So I like to see the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. I think um, one of the things again I really like about this industry is it's competitive but really it's competing against plastic. So everybody shares um, information where where they can and people tend to go from company to company trying to to share what they've learned. Um, So I wouldn't say, I, I would say as a whole that's kind of where my job is for the manufacturers because I, I guess you know in business better than, better than most, you wanna find a subsection that you're really good at and you really wanna focus on that. So for the manufacturers, we want them really focused on that manufacturing piece because it's super difficult mm. to get right. And then we want the scientists really focusing on the raw material side and I like to be the one who brings
0: them all together. Awesome, but, so it sounds like there's a, you call it an ecosystem, but it sounds like there's a real value chain being built there around the sort of plastic alternatives, plant-based yeah. uh, alternatives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, again, I am I think if you said to anybody now, if you walked out this door and picked someone off the street and said, what do you think? Can we eliminate plastic in the next 10, 20 years? They'd laugh their head off at you. Um, but I'm right in it and like I say I see this ecosystem and I see it growing Mm. and I totally think that um, there's a lot of money being invested into it and there's a lot of expertise in it now it's been going for some time I think um, I I have no doubt that we can eliminate plastic There's a lot of
0: confusion and I want you to explain and unpack this for us Mm. between home compostable industrial compostable Mm -hmm. recyclable Mm-hmm. Circular. Can you break that down for us and tell us, you know, what all those terms actually mean?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, recyclable is an easy one, although uh, for me, I guess somewhat controversial because I think when something's recyclable, um, it needs to get recycled. And unfortunately, recyclable plastics do not get recycled. Right. And so I see recycling as potentially, at least in the short to mid-term, part of the solution, but it's very difficult to get that right. Um, and we've been throwing money at it for a long time and you know, hitting our head against this wall with it. I get a meat tray, I clean it out, I put it in my recycling. My neighbor doesn't, he taints that whole load, right? Um, and I think that's the difficulty of it. Um, Compostable In terms of home Compostable Versus industrially Compostable So When You have a compost At home It's gonna And and depending on How well you keep it It only hits Certain temperatures And heat is a really Important part of um, Composting Especially Mm -hmm. when you Look at Plastics I, I, I don't know If anybody out there Has got a compost At home And It's not going so well You're probably Either opening up The little door Or you're coming back To it And it's not very hot on a morning like this morning, it should be steaming, right? Um, so it's all about the balance of keeping, uh, the balance of the things you're putting in to keep it hot, but, but it will never get as hot as industrial. Industrial gets up to, I think it's like 60 to 100 degrees Celsius, and mm. so it can break down more difficult materials. So you might not put your bones in your home compost because it's not gonna break down in there, you're just gonna have bones in your compost. But you can certainly send that to an industrial site because the heat in there will um, really heat it up. And, and so when that comes to plastics, it's the same thing. When you think about a c- coffee cup and its lid, which is made out of PLA, that's really hard to break down. It takes a lot of heat, it takes a hell of a lot of heat, whereas something like ours is a, a little bit thinner and it's designed so that it's not going to need that much heat. Now, the beauty of, of the compostable industry, I believe, and one of the real reasons I believed in it from day one, not being a scientist, not being an engineer, any of these things, is that um, it's very regulated. So there are agencies across the world who test the products before you can go out and call them compostable. Hmm. And they have very strict rules on this. If you are claiming something is compostable and it's you don't have that certification, you're going to be pulled up for it. And the supermarkets and retailers do a great job of it. If you cannot show that certification, you will not be put on shelf. Interesting. So anybody claiming to be compostable on the shelf should be, and they also need to show their compostable certification. So if you're looking at a product and you're unsure, all you need to do is pick it up and turn it around and look for that certification. Anyone who's got it is going to be advertising it you know, um, all over the place. And
0: what happens if a compostable plastic ends up in landfill, where there's you, you, presumably you need oxygen for the microorganisms yeah. to break this down? And they, they go into an anaerobic environment, mm-hmm. possibly where it's not hot enough. What what happens then?
1: Yeah, great question. Actually, um, so I always liken it. You know, we always liken our products in general, as you know, breaks down faster than orange peel to organics. So if our, if our plastic, if our compostic goes into a landfill, it'll act similarly to if you chuck your orange peel in there, right? Um, it takes a lot longer to break down. Mm. It will rot. It releases methane gases. Methane gas is like 32, I might be getting this wrong, 32 times more potent to the environment than carbon dioxide. So the answer for me on this is always let's reduce what we send to landfill, right? We, we should be composting all of our organic waste. 45% of waste at home is, is organic. Mm. That currently goes to the anaerobic landfill. It creates methane gases. That's terrible for the environment. The answer is, for me, when I first started was, yes, a lot of people will be putting this into their rubbish bin. And that's not ideal for us. But again, if we can get people using it, learning about compost, and then that may create pressure for change at a waste management level. Right. Eventually, we have to. We have to get to a position where organic waste is collected and it goes off to a composting site. Well, at the moment, in
0: Auckland, at least, and um, in, in parts of New Zealand, I think there is some um, um, shift, isn't there? The, the yeah. new facility in Biparoa is going yeah. to be taking organic waste. Yeah. The, can can a it uh, item end up
1: there and be composted? Yeah, I mean um, we haven't had that conversation with the councillors and things just yet um, we know that, uh, that w- what it goes through to create electricity and, and these um, liquid fertilisers uh, we know that our products do work in those environments because mm-hmm. in America there's a, a product called Lomi which is your bench top compost, incredible product, you put all your scraps in um, you put your compostic in there, you close the lid, you touch a button, and overnight it turns into your compost, which I just think is fantastic. So, and that's the same sort of system as as what we're going to have here in, in Auckland. So we know it can go through it. I just want to say I, I really think we've we've missed an opportunity here in Auckland. To be honest, I think organic waste should be composted, not turned into electricity. We don't necessarily need more. Electricity produce through um, we we can produce electricity far more effectively the ways that we already do. Mm. Where we've missed an opportunity is, and and this is what I've always said: the magic around the composting is an end of life. Is you actually have a resource, a really really valuable resource at the end of it that you can then put into our earth. That's what our earth wants. You know, when an apple falls from a tree or a bird dies. It composts into the earth and gives nutrients back. That's what the earth wants us to do. It wants us to give all this back. It's created this yeah. orange and apple. It wants it back at the end of it, right? Um, and we're currently using so much artificial fertilizer. I, I, don't, I don't want to talk too much about it because I could be here all day. <laughs> um, but but we're really, I, I really think we miss an opportunity with that. And um, other countries are, are, are doing it differently. And I think whether we, we've we missed the opportunity, I really hope that changes in future because there's some huge benefits from it. That is another topic, and I reckon um, we could get you back talking about
0: that because I think that you're not the only person that has these concerns about mm. this new facility, right? Um, what is going to happen in the near and maybe even the medium term for composting? What is your ambition around it? So,
1: as I said, our, look, our mission is to eliminate plastic. Now, we know we're not going to do that by ourselves, but if, we're, if we can inspire others to do thing, similar things, then fantastic. Um, the more of it, the better. And we've seen some incredible things happening around the world. Um, for us, it's all about getting into as many consumer homes as, as possible around the world. So, you know, we started in little old New Zealand. And um, that's been working great for us. We quickly expanded into Australia where we work very closely with um, Woolworths who have been uh, uh, w- one of the best retailers we've worked with, you know, I think, um, and I won't name names, but there are retailers around the world who say, we're trying to be as sustainable as possible, but it doesn't trickle down to who makes the decisions on shelf. With Woolworths, it really does. And, mm. and I take my hats off to them. Um and now we've expanded into America as well and and I must say the American market has just been amazing for us we've mm-hmm. we've really enjoyed working with retailers like Whole Foods who are exactly the same as, as Woolworths um, they've just really got behind us um, so we're hoping to expand nationwide with them we, we only started in September with them last year and a couple of trials and they love us and they've just gone let's expand you let's expand <laughs> you what have you got next and I think for us that's it, it's it's a bit of expansion into more mass markets, again, trying to get it into as many consumer homes as possible. So that creates a scale challenge for you because, you know, there's quite a big
0: difference in, in the size of market. Oh, yeah. what, what can you, what does that do, you know, how do you
1: respond to that from a manufacturing point of view? Well, I think um, we're quite lucky in the sense that, uh, again, plastics have been, they're very cheap and the reason they're very cheap is that they can be manufactured very quickly so once you have the, their commodity, once you have the machinery set up and you know that process, you can actually manufacture a lot of it very quickly and you can scale up that manufacturing very fast as well. So, you know, we've been prepared for the US market. We know it's been coming for some time and um, we've been able to scale up production very quickly for it. Um, So here's a a question. We're at the airport and we're seeing
0: suitcases completely... Um, you, you know there's just layers and layers of this cling film being wrapped around suitcases um, drives me mad
1: I, I don't understand why but one day is that going to be a compostable oh, product? Oh there's, there's no doubt about it um, some way down the chain I think you know I alluded to it earlier that we want to maintain very focused um, right now that focus is in the consumer space because we want to provide solutions for people um, and as I you know as I kept saying Eventually, that will lead to change with businesses. Um, We're being quite patient with businesses. We're we're not talking to anybody. Um, Well, I mean, we do get inquiries and we kind of go, we're we're not there yet. We're really focused on what we're doing at Mm -hmm. the moment. Um, But eventually, we'd love to provide those solutions for them as well. As I say, we want to eliminate plastic. So we've got to go to those spaces. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's not easy.
0: Oh, it's been fantastic talking to you, John, and um, you know, please stay in touch.
1: Absolutely. Likewise. Thanks, Vincent.
0: This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please
1: follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us.